Welcome to the Mark McSee Supersonic Food Marketing Podcast, brought to you by BDO, the trusted accountancy and advisory firm. BDO really are the go-to team to help your hospitality business succeed, providing expert support and advice across all your corporate finance, due diligence, tax and accounting needs. BDO have been a champion of our industry for many years and are really proud to support many of the best brands in hospitality. If you want to make sure your business is in the safest of hands financially, BDO would love to take you for a coffee to understand your business vision so that they can help you get there. Get in touch today at bdo.co.uk to chat about how BDO can help take your hospitality business to the top and please say that I sent you. Supersonic. 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 From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. The rocket fuel podcast for food, drink, and hospitality businesses everywhere. Listen up. Tell all your friends and share with your colleagues. Every single episode is packed full of tips, tricks and advice on how you can make your brand boom. So today is a bit of a double header and it's a bit of a bonus episode. There's two panel shows that I was hosting. One for lunch, the show that happens every single year and one for the casual dining show. Really well attended, really becoming the shows that everyone must attend, and huge work goes into it from Diversified Communications, Chris Brazier, and all the team there. Huge thanks to them also for always giving me one or two slots to sort of sell my wares as it was. I hosted a couple of great panels. I'll let myself introduce the panels as the show goes on. But we learned some real great things from Wagamama and Pizza Pilgrims, Bills and many, many others. So have a listen. I hope the noise isn't too bad in terms of being able to listen. But I really think there's so much that we can learn from all these great marketers on the panel. Really speaking honestly, really shooting from the hip. And it was really entertaining for the standing room only audience that attended too. It gives me the most pleasure ever to introduce the female superheroes of food to go lunch, marketing and branding, my panel, who are going to introduce themselves. So we'll start at the end. My name is Fatima. I used to work for Five Guys and, be, and before that to um, working. Um, I'm Helen, uh, brand director at Crush. We're a healthy food and juice bar chain with stores across London and the southeast. Um, before that, I spent a bit of time working at Eat um, and at Sainsbury's um, and started way back when in marketing um, agencies, all food focused. Um, and I'm Katie Lister. Um, I'm the marketing director at Chilango. Um, so we are leading the Mexican revolution. Prior to being at Chilango, I was at Byron Burger and prior to that at Starbucks. So very excited to be here today. Excellent. Okay. So the first question uh, to Fatima then is, what do you think is the most uh, important selling point in the food to go offer? Is it time, price, flavor, etc.? What's your take on that? I'm gonna cheat and say accessibility because, but not accessibility only for entering the restaurant for and for being um, available for um, people with disabilities. I mean accessibility in general. So getting there at the, in the right place, but also being there for the right time and being there at the right price. Because the problem is that if I feel like having, for instance, a Five Guys, and there's no Five Guys there, or it's closed, or it's not serving because they're still prepping, then I cannot really have it. So for me, it would be knowing exactly when and where you need to be. So that was a massive cheat. That was everything. I know. O- only everything. <laughs> so that's the important things to remember. Uh, what about you, Helen? I kind of agree actually it is everything nowadays I think um, I think if I had to choose I'd say consistency um, and good customer service um, I think though it is a bit of everything and I think if you're off on one point now um, customers will just not come back I think there's so much choice that they kind of don't need to um, so yeah I think you need to be performing um, in all areas at all times 
nice and tough. <laughs> and what about the stampede of flavours at Chilango? What's going on there? Yeah, so I think for us, actually, I mean, it is a combination of everything, but, um, you know, speed is absolutely of the utmost importance to us. So uh, we are very London-centric. Ten of our restaurants are in London. A lot of those are in the city where, you know, office workers want to be in and out. Um, but for us, it is all about, as you say, stampede of flavours. <laughs> um, but we really then do have to kind of balance, uh, you know, the, the, we don't want to compromise on flavour. Um, so we do invest a lot in prep hours to make sure that we've got, you know, fantastic, great quality products products that really do do taste delicious but that we can um, you know really maximize kind of on speed and throughput in our kind of peak peak times I think you know when you're on the inside at a company you know I was at Pret and Yo and, and these kind of places and it's so difficult with innovation you know in terms of you wanting to tinker with the classics and follow the latest thing that the CEO is banging on about mm-hmm. that he's heard from his 40, 14 year old daughter or whatever mm-hmm. um, so <laughs> You know, how do you balance that, you know, staying strong with the iconic products you have, but also managing the innovation process? What, yeah. What, what do you think? Yeah, so it's really timely for us, actually. So um, a couple of weeks ago, we launched an amazing kind of plant-based product. So uh, the This Isn't Team. So they have This Isn't Chicken, This Isn't Bacon. And we launched a This Isn't a Chicken Burrito. And that's obviously in response to the massive you know, trend for plant-based and it's coming as our number two seller, which is absolutely amazing. But it does mean that from our operational perspective, we've got a, you know, a line and, and speed is paramount. So we are asking ourselves that same question. How do we maximize that trend um, without slowing down the operation, without compromising quality? So what we're looking at at the moment is anytime we do then launch a new kind of plant-based initiative, what are we doing to actually take the pressure out of the kitchen? So never tinkering with our classics like the chicken burrito, which we sell just tons of, um, but are there kind of classics that were maybe relevant a few years ago, but perhaps the need isn't really there for them anymore. So it's a little bit of giving with one hand and taking with the other so that the restaurants don't, don't fall over. And are the employees, do they have uproar? Are they annoyed with all this extra work or do they take it on board? I thought they would be actually. So when we kind of sold in the This Isn't Chicken product to them, um, I was expecting like, oh God, marketeers. Um, But actually they, I mean, a lot of them were vegan themselves and also when they're getting, they're on the front line getting those requests from guests every day. um, They're saying, great, we can finally say we've got something that isn't just well, we'll just take the meat out of your burrito. So surprisingly, they were very responsive. Um, we did try to make it as easy for them in terms of prep and delivery. So, um, yes, it's been really well received, which is great. And what about Crush? I mean, you're highly innovative, right? You know, you go in a lot and there's lots of stuff changing all the time. Plus, there's so much customizable options as well. So how, how are you handling that, Helen? Um, yeah, so we've always been about innovation and bringing like, the latest health food um, to the market. Um, so back in May, we launched CBD oil, uh, which you can add to a juice or a smoothie um, or a coffee. Which makes um, people hungrier. <laughs> Good plan. <laughs> Very smart. Um, and it is really important for us, especially to, um, to keep bringing those sorts of innovative products out there. Um, there are. It's interesting as well for us because what is a probably a classic product in other places, maybe like a ham and cheese sandwich or something, isn't something we've ever done and not something we would ever do. Um, and I guess it's quite important to define as a brand like what your classics are. Um, so we had a situation a couple of years ago when actually um, we talked about introducing a bacon roll or a bacon sandwich. Uh, we actually ended up bringing in a bacon bagel with a sugar-free ketchup. Um, but interestingly, that's still bottom of the category and still quite a low seller. And I think it's, um, it really highlighted that it, it's not what our customers want or what our customers need. So actually, um, you know, a kind of classic flavor doesn't necessarily work everywhere. Um, but yeah, a total balance. But we're all about innovation. OK, we're on to the meat fest of uh, Five Guys and Burger King. So uh, Burger King doing a great thing last night in terms of getting rid of plastic toys. I don't know if everyone saw that which is quite a coup for them and so yeah what was going on there was it very stiff in terms of you know we'll just stick with the classics of the Whopper or did you see innovation going on in there? Well for me it's it's a big mix because at Burger King it's all about innovation and all about making a big splash on on the novelty side of things so um, things like the chicken fries were a really big boom when they were launched because it was something completely new to the market so that gives a lot of um, uh, PR occasions and a PR hook so everybody's talking about your brand so that's a very big promotional way for the brand itself um, but then at Five Guys the, the biggest lesson that I learned is that 
innovation is not necessarily about um, about bringing new products to the menu. Sometimes it's about how the business works. So um, we trialed last year um, hard shakes, which I know we were a little bit late. Everybody was doing hard shakes already, but people really want them because um, we had served them before on a on a private event and everybody had loved them. So we thought, okay, maybe this is a big opportunity. What happened there was that rather than get a lot of sales uh, coming from the hard shakes, that uh, release boosted our normal shake sales instead. So what our customers were basically telling us is that we don't need to add new things to the menu. They like the things that they have always had. It's just that um, there are other areas of the business that we could have innovated more. So for instance, nowadays where everybody's rushing around, our focus on personal service, on, on being a human being when you're in the store and not just being served uh, with a, hey, would you like fries with that? Um, needs to be tailored. So things, little tweaks like making the menu more accessible and easier to understand so you don't have to spend time actively explaining to them and that personal service goes into something different like asking how is your day is the kind of innovation that works better for a very seemingly static brand like Five Guys versus working that is all about getting the brand into people's mouths. So the all important question that everyone's wanting to know probably is with small budgets, which most of us have in food and drink. Um, yeah, we should have worked in another industry if we wanted to get rich, right? Um, so, you know, what are you doing, Helen, at Crush? You know, with the marketing budget you have and what are you focusing on to get the message out there about what's going on for to, to get sales ultimately? Um, so yeah, we do have small budgets. Um, and I think some of the most important um, areas for us are our stores, our storefront. Um, our A boards outside, it's not revolutionary, but typically what we put up sells the best. Um, I think it's also a real luxury to have so much retail space. Um, so you need to maximize that and kind of use every touch point uh, when launching a new campaign. Um, and secondly, also our teams and sampling. So again, pretty old school, um, but we sample a lot with our teams and we really encourage them to sample with customers. Um, that drives a lot for us. Um, so yeah, getting them on board, um, is kind of one of our most important tools. What about big budgets then? Um, Were you just throwing the money away? Is that what happens? <laughs> is that what happens in these companies? Five Guys has a really, really tight marketing budget because we are extremely marketing averse. Um, so the, the way that we manage things is more towards creating relationships in the right places. So we wouldn't pay somebody to talk about our product or to give a great review. It was all about... Um, being available, as I was saying before, and putting it out there. And if people like it and they really enjoy the experience, all that investment that could have gone to marketing that has gone into operations instead to make it a great consistent product is what's going to give you the word of mouth. So for us, yes, there's a, a lot of effort put into what you could call PR, but it's not traditional PR where you're just talking about influencers or media. You're talking to people. And what about BK? What was going on there? We were a private equity when I was there, so the marketing budget was also quite tight. It was definitely not nearly as tight, but it was uh, there we did a lot of uh, standy things. So we would create occasions like uh, uh, the Prince William Whopper, where Prince William liked a very specific type of uh, burger. So we created a special Whopper for the week, and we were on all national media because of that. So I'm, I'm a big believer of uh, word of mouth. So. I'm working now at Picnic, which is a, a social media app. We haven't launched yet. But the, the basis for this is the time that you spend with real people in the real world rather than just going on social media. Uh, the time that you spend talking to each other is the time that you learn the most stuff. So for hospitality, that means that if I hear from my friend that they really like uh, Blickr, I'm going to definitely go to Blickr. While if I hear it from Kim Kardashian, I may not believe it as much. It's really interesting as well, just to give people hope in the audience as well. When you look at the social media numbers of brands like BK and KFC, they're small. You know, there's a lot of small influencers that have got, you know, 14 times the, the followership. So, again, don't feel too bad that the big companies are always getting it right, you know. So it, it's quite an interesting thing to look at and gives us all hope. What about the mighty Chilango then? What's going on there? Um, yeah, so... Uh I guess in terms of, like, I agree agree with um, Helen absolutely on kind of, you know, having that restaurant real estate is so important. I mean, for us, one of the other channels that we're wanting to look at to sort of immediately drive footfall is turning to CRM, which 
you would assume like as a, a kind of um, business of our size, um, we, we would have a huge database, but in a similar way, you know, with social media, we've got a lot of, of a way to go to kind of grow that audience size. Um, and that is really something that I've relied on previously and we've seen great success. So something that we're imminently switching on to kind of access that new audience. And there's also a lot of opportunities out there for CRM. And, you know, actually an organic social media post it's quite interesting, will give you less engagement than traditional newsletter. So, you know, everyone's sort of running over there when these things are sometimes forgotten. So, Absolutely. you know, I think that's great. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then what about opportunities for growth? You know, so you're doing what you're doing. You're hopefully maximizing sales as much as possible. Where do you think in your businesses there's you know, opportunities for growth. What, what are you thinking? I mean, I, I sort of sound like I'm harping on about plant-based a lot, but, you know, I think there is so much opportunity, particularly for Chilango, where, you know, the flavour profile really works with vegan food. We've only just scratched the surface of what that could do for us as a business. Um, so I think there's a huge, huge opportunity opportunity there for us. Yeah. What about you, Helen? Um, yeah, I agree. There's lots Same. of opportunity there. Um, I also think there's opportunity outside of the traditional high street format. Um, so it's certainly a big part of our strategy at Crush. Um, so whether that's through a franchise. Um, so we actually um, opened last week in a university. Uh, so it's over in Bristol for the uni, um, the uni opening. Um, and uh, yeah, and, and then other kind of uh, formats. Um, and are there any partnerships out there that can get your brands into different places? Just thinking a little bit differently about your brand and how you can kind of get it in front of a different audience as well. What about you, Fatima? What are you thinking? For me, the key is diversifying the menu. So um, I know you had my mentor, um, Marcel Khan, a few yeah. weeks ago, and he was telling you how he ate seven days a week at Nando's at one point while he was there. You cannot do that at a place like Burger King or Five Guys because the menu doesn't allow for it. We had very, very clear occasions. So if someone finds a way to actually have a balanced and diverse menu that people can tap on at many different times of the day or at many different um, days of the week. So maybe I go always for lunch, but I'm having something different every day while making it extremely costly on the operational side. I think that would be the perfect key to success. Just some interesting stats coming out as well, just on that point too, is um, trying to get your products onto Amazon. So apparently 52% of all product searches begin on Amazon, not Google, in the UK. So again, if you've got products that you can package up and put on there, you're going to be seen at least. So it's a little bit of brand recognition, even if you don't sell lots of gear. So, you know, it's, it's quite interesting. Um, and then, yeah, what about all these young folk like you, actually? I'm saying that and I'm thinking, actually, you are the young folk. Um, so, you know, Gen Y, Gen Z, um, so millennials, and they hate the term, but centennials. What sort of work and effort are you putting into that? So, Fatima, what about what, what was happening and thinking about younger generations coming through? Well, when I was uh, at Five Guys, we really felt it because when we started, we were we naturally appealed a lot more to millennials who were a bit younger at the time. And um, even though we were not actively investing on media, we were putting a lot of time and effort into social media because that's where they were at the time, and they really, really believed in it. Now. They still believe in it, but not as much because this has been quite vilified with the whole um, with the whole uh, scandals of Cambridge and all that kind of stuff. But for Jen said, what we have found is that they spend a lot more time offline, or they believe that things are more genuine when they come to, from offline. So rather than focusing on the demographic. Um, segments we focus more on interest and we tap on the communities based on their interest rather than on their age so for Jen said this resonates very well because if we tap on any events that are going on in the real world they really tie into the brand while if we had only done it through getting a digital partnership with let's say a skater brand it would not be seen as something credible it would have been seen as something just paid and transactional this is your sweet spot right crush <laughs> Yeah. This is bang center, you know, Gen Y, Gen Z, do you think? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, a lot of our stores are London city-based, um, so it's probably sort of millennials up. Um, but we are um, obviously recently opened, we're now in two university sites, so obviously that's a younger demographic. I think it's really affecting kind of what we're saying and what we're talking about. So I think both generations certainly 
um, are much more conscious about the planet and the sustainability of your brand and what you stand for. Um, I think millennials probably sometimes don't quite practice what they preach like yet. So I think we're still eating a lot of avocados and things. Um, whereas I think um, Gen Z are—they're um, looking for something much more authentic. Um, so when we're communicating to within our university stores. Uh, what we say is so important uh, and, and talking about how we operate sustainably is much more important in those in those environments. What about Chilango then? What, what are you guys doing to get down with the kids? Yeah, I guess we are, um, you know, partnerships, we come back to that again, it's so important for us. So particularly, you know, with our a lot of our restaurants being in the city, um, making sure that we are as kind of convenient as possible, particularly for millennials who now have so many time pressures so you know delivery is a massive part of our business so really staying close to our kind of delivery partners um we're very lucky that our product transports really well so that's you know that's it's nicer than trying to deliver burgers i can tell you that but um yeah making sure we maximize those partnerships and what about the future then just before i turn over to you guys for questions so what's the next the biggest challenges for you guys in the next i don't know the next 12, 18 months, you know, what, what are you focusing on? What's keeping you awake at night at the moment? Um, I think that back to that question of balancing you know, the innovation, which we truly do see as our kind of growth opportunity versus how do we make sure our operations can stand up to it and our teams are happy to, to be delivering that kind of sheer scale of, um, kind of, of innovation. Um, so we are looking to different kind of tech opportunities to make sure that we're kind of ahead of, ahead of that challenge. So um, we're trialing kind of pay at screen um, kiosks in our London Wall restaurant to see whether that can ease some of the operational pressure and allow us to unlock kind of, you know, pioneering MPD. Yeah, and what about you, Helen? What's, what's, what's next for you? What's going on in the next 12, 18 months? What's the challenges? Uh, I guess challenges, probably one of them, certainly sustainability, I think. I think it's... Um, I think it's really difficult to find the right solutions that can work, especially if you are kind of a multi-chain business. So we're, I mean, we've made loads of headway there, but there's still loads more to do. And I think customers are really quick to kind of judge. Um, And I think, you know, we're we're all trying to make it more sustainable. So um, I think that's kind of an industry-wide challenge. Um, And yeah, I guess uh, not a challenge, but kind of something we're really looking forward to is just moving outside of London more, working with different kind of, uh, partners and going into different audiences like universities and things and learning about kind of what works there um, versus what's worked in a very London-centric uh, high street model. And what about you, Fatima? What, what's your plans? What's what's going on with you? Well, I very recently left Five Guys. Um, for them, I think the the biggest challenge right now is going to be how to stay relevant now that they're not the cool new kids in the block. Um, so mostly in, in France, Spain and Germany that have been launched a little bit afterwards is managing that transition from being the novelty brand and the iconic brand to actually being part of people's daily lives and still seem um, enticing and exciting for people. Excellent. Was there any questions from people? Hello. Um, my name's Sophie and I'm from Too Good To Go. I'm interested in... Um, discussing the topic of sustainability a bit further. Helen, you mentioned it was high on your agenda. Um, but what projects specifically are you looking into um, to really get that message out to your consumers and show that you're actively making a difference? Um, so I think from a food waste perspective, we do a half price end of day sale, uh, which is really, really good. It helps reduce wastage. Also, obviously, offers good value to customers. Um, we also work with the Felix Project, who pick up products from our stores and obviously take them on. Um, we've tried working with you guys, I think, before. Um, I think sometimes there's kind of some operational challenges around kind of what time um, things need to be collected and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I think communicating that more to customers is, is certainly really important. A lot of our focus at the moment is on our waste streams um, and our, then our packaging that goes into those waste streams. Because I think there's lots of new packaging solutions out there, but a lot of businesses uh, don't yet have the waste streams in place um, to kind of tackle those. So yeah, that's kind of a big focus for us at the moment. Yes, uh, just a quick question to the panel, just to see which other brands or campaigns that you've been particularly impressed by from you know, your competition, as it were, even if it's not directly a competitor of your immediate brand. Yeah, I mean, I think um, kind of on the topic of sustainability, the guys at Pure are doing an amazing job in terms of their kind of sustainability campaign. It's very much across every touch point in the business, um, rather than it just being sort of plastic straws, which I guess maybe two years ago we were all talking about. So, yeah, the guys at Pure, I think, are doing some amazing, amazing brand campaigns. 
Um, for me, I'd say Leon. Leon do really, really good stuff. I've always been a fan of the brand. Um, I think their recent campaign when they launched Jack Wings and like gave them away to anyone called Jack Wings or something like that. I thought that was brilliant. Um, I was gonna say Leon, but okay. <laughs> um, to be fair, I'm a big, big fan of Brett because it doesn't matter what the occasion is, they always make a big deal out of it. So even their, their release of their seasonal menus, which is something that happens every single year, they still manage to get people excited about them. Okay, just for the last couple of minutes then, I was just going to ask the panel, feels weird standing up here, um, but uh, yeah, just to ask the panel um, what they're thinking about uh, sub-brands as well in the market. So you've got the rise of Veggie Prep, right? So that's going to be up to 90 stores coming um, and also Mama Go but pretty much sub-brands don't work in food and drink really so what, what are you thinking about that and what do you think of the threat what do you think is going to happen I mean it's an interesting one for us we're sort of you know looking at the competitors closely around sort of delivery and looking at I guess the rise of like virtual brands and virtual kitchens and is there an opportunity particularly with our focus on kind of vegan and veggie you know, is that something that our consumers want want us to kind of to be doing? Um, it is interesting though because I don't know if anyone's doing it fantastically well at the moment. You know, I know a few of the big players are trialing it, and I'd say no one's cracked the code on it in the virtual space yet. But. Yeah, I agree. I do think Veggie Prep is showing that it is possible. It's probably the only one out there that I think works. We actually um, in January, as part of Veganuary, we turned a store completely vegan. Um, and interestingly, it didn't perform that well. Um, so people, I think people were kind of, they're coming in and they're sort of expecting what they want um, and what they're used to getting. Um, a lot of people were not happy there were no eggs. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting because I don't think, you know, for that example, um, people haven't shifted uh, enough yet for that kind of thing to be viable, but it was a really good learning for us. I just think that it's, it's, it's definitely possible. It just means, that you need to keep the right balance because in food and beverage there's so much more beyond your product attached to the experience is the situation the emotions that you were feeling that day how the crew was feeling that day and treated you that you need to balance so many different features that you just need to be very careful and that's why we don't see many examples of successfully running it but I don't think it's impossible I just think it takes a lot of effort and then the last question then, and we'll let you all go and get something to eat probably, um, was just uh, one tip for the audience, you know, just in terms of how to win at the lunch market. You know, what, what's the first thing you would suggest if it was a small business, for example, about what they should do? Um, I think it's back maybe to Helen's original point, actually, is, you know, making sure consistency is absolutely there, whether that is service, whether that's speed, whether it's product. You know, you have kind of one shot, and I think if you mess that up, you know, you, there's thousands of other um, competitors that you'll lose that, that customer to. So making sure at every single touch point, you're consistent. Yeah, I agree. Um, I'd also say um, you should get out there and visit the independents and the pop-ups and things, because I think they're doing really, really innovative stuff. Um, last week, actually, a lot of us from Crush were in Brighton. And we went to an awesome cafe uh, called Backwood, which is um, essentially trying to be a zero waste um, business. And as you go in, in the front, there are literally like five or six different uh, waste stream bins right at the front of the store. And it's kind of sending a really, really clear message. Um, I, so I just think those sorts of places, they don't have all the complexities of a large business. They don't have all the overheads and things yet. Um, so, yeah, you can take loads of inspiration from those places. I would say don't get too absorbed into your own business because it's really hard, mostly for something like hospitality that takes a 24-7 um, effort to get a tunnel vision into what you're doing and all the things that you already know about the industry and forget that customers don't actually pay that much attention to the things that you are paying a super crazy um, focus into. So actually taking a step back and seeing things from the customer perspective and understanding that maybe they don't know why this other product is um, lower quality than the one you're offering maybe, but they're killing it because people don't understand it. Actually seeing those little nuances are really, really valuable. Great. Well, well, we'll end it there. Thanks so much for coming along, everyone. And yeah, have a, have a nice lunch show. From Supersonic Inc., this is the Mark McSee Supersonic Marketing Podcast. Oh. 
just a friendly reminder that this podcast is brought to you by the good folk at BDO. BDO have been long-term supporters of the hospitality sector and they are really passionate about supporting innovative entrepreneurs on their journeys and they also want to give you the right advice and support to grow your business. Just in case you don't know, BDO provides tailored advice to the sector across corporate finance, due diligence, tax and all accounting matters. BDO work tirelessly to give their clients the advice that they need when they need it to succeed. For more information on BDO and how they can take your business to the top, go to bdo.co.uk. Hashtag ad. Okay, so today's panel is all about marketing innovation. So we're going to hear loads and loads of stuff, hopefully, from the, the team over here about how they're being innovative and what innovation means to them. So the first thing is, if you could quickly introduce yourself and where you're from so that everyone knows who you are, um, and then we'll kick off with the questions. Hi, I'm Lucy, and I'm from Lasagona, as I look up to marketing and brand. Hi, I'm Kate Eastwood. I'm the sales marketing director for Revolution Bar Screen. Hi, I'm Leslie, and I look after marketing at Bill's Restaurant Group. Uh, hi, I'm Andre Johnston. I'm the marketing director at Wagamama. And uh, I'm Tom, and I'm a co-founder of Pizza Pilgrims and Pocatello Limoncello. Nice. All right. <laughs> Okay, so the first question I was going to ask the panel, and I'll go to Lucy first. What does innovation in marketing mean for you, and how innovative have you been in the past year? Um, I think innovation to us is all about trying to really excite our guests. You know, everything that we do comes back to the guests at the end of the day and, and bringing people into the restaurant for a great experience. So, um, you know, we look at the products, we look at innovating on the menu. Uh, we look at trying to put on good experiential things in the restaurants when people come in as well. And we're also looking at all the other channels that we can get the brand out there. So uh, digital, we've been doing a lot with in the last so 12 to 18 months. Um, and also getting outside the restaurants as well. Yeah. And uh, then and what, what we've been up to... You can dig a bit deeper because you've done some great stuff in the last year. Well, where do I start? Um, I, I wrote a list down earlier and I probably forget half of it, but... Um, <laughs> We did a massive DNA project, uh, which finished about 18 months ago, and we, we launched that 12 months ago uh, with a, a brand new menu. We sort of totally changed up the way that we present our food, putting photography into the menu. Um, because we're a brand that introduces a lot of Latin American dishes that people aren't necessarily familiar with, it was quite difficult to get people to make that jump over into some of the Brazilian curries that we do, some of the flavors, and explain it, and actually we found that the way that we've created this sort of travel brochure of a menu now has totally changed our sales mix and we can we can drive what's selling now with some of those more innovative dishes, I guess, through the use of photography. Um, outside of that, we have brought in a few experiential packages in the restaurants. We've created a, what we call the cocktail trunk, where you can actually sit at the table and make your own caipirinhas or your own mojitos. You can also use it with a slightly different setup as a cocktail masterclass at the table as well. So that's bringing that sort of bookable innovation in, great for, for stag and hen parties, great for celebrations generally. Um, we've got some new products coming out, so we're just about to launch a new tropical gin that we've created with Poetic Licence, who I think okay. are here somewhere in the show today. Okay. Not necessarily here, right. but, they're, but they're here. Um, so that will be launching soon. Uh, we work with Rothhammer to do a new beer. Um, that was created by one of the guys coming over from, from Rothhammer and, and working with us in the brewery to, to do something again with some tropical hoppy notes. So lo- just loads of products that just are different and, and branded and, and really exciting. Yeah. And then we've got Sainsbury's, which I know you yeah, saw the saw other day. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, we've launched a chilled meal range that we work really closely on. We're, we're quite precious obviously about the brand and about the food so we were really hands-on with that and we're just working on sort of next uh, developments on that now for, for some additional products so that's in 400 odd Sainsbury's around the country wow. is that enough does that feel like a good list it's it's right, just, a few, just a few bits not too shabby <laughs> <laughs> all right Kate what about you yeah I suppose innovative marketing for us means um, being really agile we have a, a pretty young customer base and so we have to make sure that we're constantly moving, constantly understanding what 
what they want, how that's changing, because it doesn't, it doesn't stay the same, um, be it through looking at it from social channels and, and what's working, what isn't working, or introducing new products um, into the range and, and the style of the menus and such like. So, so I, think it's, um, I think the key bit is really understanding our, our customers. If we want to be innovative, there's no point being innovative for the sake of it. We have to make sure it's what our customers want. Um, so it's staying really close, really close to them on that front. Leslie, what about you? Um, so from our side, there's been a lot of focus on CRM and our database. Um, so one of the first things we've looked at is how we can get our lapsed customers back in and how we can utilize um, that database and drive it more effectively. And then digital on the whole. So there's so much you can do with social advertising now, um, creating lookalike audiences, um, looking for like potential customers based on their likes and where else they visit. So we spend a lot of time trying different things and reviewing it and then retrying. It's a, it's a big learning curve, but I think it's really key for us to innovate. And anything else innovative going on? Have you been sort of looking at the, the, uh, the, you know, Lucy touched on the brand, the brand DNA and things like that. Does it start with brand for you or? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, you know, Bill's has grown from one restaurant 20 years ago to now having 81 restaurants so um, why it was so fantastic at the beginning and why Bill is so amazing and he's very much involved um, has perhaps got diluted over that time so we've just done a big piece of work on our brand DNA and really focusing on what makes Bill special and why our guests love us and why our teams are so fantastic so that's a big part of like innovation, but looking back to our roots and bringing all of those things back in as we can. Excellent. Yeah, so it's a couple of themes coming through about creating experiences, doing it for your customers, knowing who your customers are, but also starting at brand every single time, not just being innovative for, for innovation's sake. So what about, thanks Leslie, what about award-winning Andre? What's going on? You ain't too kind. Um, <laughs> I think what we've probably done is taken a slightly different approach to innovation in the last couple of years. So we, what we did was we opened a restaurant in Soho, we called it Noodle Lab, and we turned that into our innovation hub, our innovation centre. So we put everything in there that we're trialling before it goes anywhere else. So that gives us loads of scope and licence to be able to do stuff. So we've put new vegan items in there before they've gone live nationally. We've done collaborations in there with loads of cool influencers and interesting stuff going on. We've got a uniform collaboration going on there right now and that has just given us a vehicle because one of the things I think really is that innovation in a business is marketing love it and customers actually like it but they don't like loads of change there's actually a tension between wanting to do new stuff and people actually adopting it and wanting to get involved so culturally I mean Wagamama is quite lucky because we've always talked about this idea of Kaizen and Kaizen being the way you can constantly find improvements but actually doing something like having Noodle Lab has helped us say, well, we're going to just keep doing innovation. We're going to keep getting people excited about it. And the teams are excited and they see that as really beneficial because they like that it's harvested away and they're not messing around with the operation on the day-to-day when we've just told them to say, right, you're going to launch this tomorrow and it goes everywhere. Try and perfect it first, make people buy into it, get people to like it. And then the change becomes a lot easier. So I think it's the cultural bit of change and innovation was definitely something we were really conscious of helping that work before we started to just do changes. Has anyone been to Noodle Lab? A few people, definitely worth checking out if you can. And yeah, guinea pig on the menu, it's pretty good. So yeah, yeah very it's great. enjoyable. Yeah, it's good. We've got things like Yumpingo's in there. Just yeah, yeah. every dish that we trial, genuine customers can give us feedback and listen, we genuinely listen to that and work out if it's worth doing something more with or changing or, or binning. So, yeah. Excellent. So almost a non-marketer, a founder. Definitely so. a non-marketer. <laughs> so tell us about that. Uh, yeah, well, we've discovered this thing called Instagram, which is amazing. <laughs> like, you guys should check it out. It's, it's really going to be awesome. That will never work. Uh, but yeah, we're, we're definitely like way more lo-fi than all of that, all of that stuff, just because we're, we're kind of, we're, we don't have a marketing person in the business. Um, it's just me and my brother who's in the front row looking, making, trying to make me look good. Um, <laughs> So yeah, you know, we we try and do kind of lo-fi stuff. I think you know we we um, we did a thing last year where we couldn't decide what we put on our pizza boxes. So we we asked all of our we just made it uh, all of our pizza boxes canvases. Got all of our customers to draw on it. Pizza box art. If you draw us a picture on a pizza box, you get a free pizza. And we've had like thousands and thousands and thousands of entries, which was awesome. 
Uh, earlier in the year, or sorry, last year, we answered the biggest question in pizza, which is, does pineapple belong on it? Quick show of hands, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Yes, if, if you're a... Pretty much, pretty much a no then. I agree. Uh, but we did this big, you know, referendum in all the pizzerias. You order the, we made a special pizza, you order it, get a voting slip, and then in and out referendum, and uh, pineapple won. But yeah, not as it, here. As it so yeah, more lo-fi stuff now. I think making the product the center is key for us. Like, to what you said, like, don't innovate for innovate's sake. Yeah. And then thinking about innovation in terms of digital and social and things like that, how much attention are you paying to that? You know, how are you gearing up for doing more digital? You know, to, to us, for example, we are speaking to people, we're wanting 80% of people's attention, focus, budget to be spent on digital. Are you all being like that? I mean, Lucy, what's going on there? Um, I think we've, um, we've definitely invested over the last 18 months in digital in a way that we've never done before. Part of that's being under the CDG umbrella we've been really fortunate to be able to do that um you know we before that we were operating very much as a sort of cottage industry in bristol and it digital never really figured because we just didn't have the budget and you do need to find your sweet spot of how much you spend on your google and your social to make sure that you're actually getting conversion i think um what's good now is that we've got integrations across the board so that we can actually track everything and we can see the, you know, the shop the store visits on Google and we can see the, the conversion to bookings through Book a Table or the booking platform. Um, so you can actually have a look at it and say, you know, there is a return on investment there. This yeah. is what the conversion rate is. You know, probably chop a bit off for, for cannibalized covers that would have come in anyway, but um, you can definitely see the value of it. So we're, we're putting a considerable amount into to digital now. 80%? Not eighty percent. No, we're probably let's say maybe about forty. Okay. Yeah. Well, just actually going to Tom next for that one. Just at the other end of the spectrum, are you closing the loop in terms of conversion and data and all the rest? Are you free flowing? Unless, a bit more? Li- unless a manager literally recognises someone's face, that's all we know about whether they've come back or not. Okay. That is literally, it. <laughs> we need to get better at that. It's really, really important. But I think. We're really of the opinion that we want to talk to fewer people who really want to hear from us. Yep. So we've actually sort of deleted most of our email list and tried to get like really engaged people who will help us make good decisions rather than thousands of people who just want something free or don't actually really want to know. Yeah. That's what we're trying to focus on. So it's just good old-fashioned hospitality, great product, knowing people, and that's it. I think we're trying to get that absolutely right first before you know you've got to have it you've got to have it right before you can tell everyone about it. Yeah, yeah. And that's the bit we want we're working on more. Nice. Andre, what about you then? Because you're a bit of the darling of social, you know, yourselves and Nando's and a couple of us are always talked about. What are you, how are you getting content and the, the magnitude of content you need nowadays? You know, what's going on there? Yeah, what we did uh, about two years ago was conscious decision to move away from, and not completely, but a lot of moving away from agencies. And we brought a lot of it in-house. So we've got now, I mean, Sarah's in the order. She runs our creative team in-house. We've got social in-house. And so we'll use a bunch of small videographers, photographers, and we will run out and about and go with them, but also doing a lot of the creative ourselves on the fly. Because if you go back in time, big companies struggle to be quick. So I try to make sure that we we go against that and try and find ways to be quick and do things agile and speak quickly. So, all right, well, what could we do this week? How do we post on that? How do we talk about that and keep the content coming and keep the engine going and the quickest biggest window for that is doing that in-house rather than saying to an agency right give us um you know some five posts for next week or whatever and it becomes a a big journey yeah i I don't think it's as black and white as that anymore you know which is here's your content calendar for the week and all the rest of it i think that agility in-house is such a big deal leslie you're at an interesting stage on you know the team and you know how to team up and man up women up for for digital what what are you doing at the moment um so it's been it's been a big learning curve for us because we we're very lucky to have a great database um but it hasn't really been utilized so as i mentioned earlier there's 
quite a lot of work with our CRM agency to, to look at that and to see how we can use that proactively. Yeah. In terms of like social, I think it is really difficult like getting the content, like you've said, um, having we've got someone in-house that looks after social, but one person that needs to respond to all of the customer comments and the questions that we get, and then being able to go into the restaurants and take photos, make videos, write copy, choose the right hashtags. Like there's, it's a massive project to do, and a, but it's really important. And then the advertising, again, like understanding algorithms, knowing what works best, it's tricky. And then we've obviously, as I'm sure everyone in a marketing team with multiple restaurants, we get requests daily from our GMs saying, can we set up an Instagram account? Can we set up a Facebook account? And it's knowing how to respond to that. And we want to be able to empower our teams to do that, but we want to protect the brand. So it's a really tricky um, bit of a minefield in terms of digital but it's the most exciting area and we're probably on 50% of our budget going into digital and it's things like printed menus cost a fortune still so we've got to pay for things like that but digital is really key for us. Yeah. I just thinking about that I was with uh, VaynerMedia lately uh, who are like the forefront of all this stuff and they were saying you need to be in the no game rather than the yes game so rather than choosing one post to go up and ditch in the other four, you need to actually choose the four and just lose the one that you hate to get that magnitude of content. And you might be needing almost uh, 100 pieces of content a day in various forms and various channels for you to start to get standout online. So it's a tough, tough ask when you've maybe even got two people running marketing for, for everything, you know, so it's a big deal. What about Revolution? What's going on? Well, with Revolution, I mean, the digital side of it is really, really important yeah. for us. Um, we, we run it that all the bars do have, so we've got 75 bars, they all run their own Instagram accounts, they run their own, um, their own Facebook accounts. We then also, we also have the central ones. Um, we changed agency this year. We work really, really closely with this agency to, um, to really improve our engagement, our reach, which, which has worked really well. But I think one of the biggest challenges for us with... Um, with, with the whole digital scene is that conversion piece because people coming into a bar don't always book so yes we have a big sales team we've got 140 people in, our, in, our, in my department that are driving pre-booked sales but not everyone pre-books and so do you only say that a piece of digital is worthwhile if they end up in a booking well that stops you getting all your reach or if you get amazing reach and engagement is that better than a, than a booking so it's that real that real difficulty between the two that says what what approach should we take and how, how do we take that forward but I mean actually we find from, a, from an engagement point of view actually the guys and girls in the bar we you know we do a lot of training with them but the guys and girls in the bar can get some brilliant content and actually for us user generated content has the biggest the biggest engagement the biggest reach and so therefore we get really really strong strong stuff on that front from, from, from the bar teams and that's, that's really important they know the customers better yeah. than anyone and then just thinking about what's stopping us all being more innovative and doing more what are the challenges you're facing you know day to day when you're when you're running the group I don't know Tom if you want to I mean I think like for digital stuff I guess there's a bit of a fear of you know putting your foot wrong and you're right like you need to do a lot and if you're worried about every time you post something, it's going to be a problem, I think you've got to, you know, it's, going to, it's hard. So you've got, to, you've got to keep pushing stuff. But I think we're in a category that people love online. Like restaurants and food is probably only behind like cats is the thing that people actually love. So like just post loads of stuff and see where I don't, I don't think there's anything holding us back. Let me just look at this show. There's like a billion new inventions that we need to all put into our restaurant tomorrow. Yeah. Bring it on. Yeah. What about you, Andre? Um, so... I think what's getting us in, in the what gets in the way for us, or for I think probably the industry, is sometimes we're our own worst enemy on a couple of things. So I like the story that Mark, you told the story before about um, a conference when a guy from Deliveroo got up and people started booing him because in the industry we're like, oh no, we don't like that kind of change, but we've got to embrace disruption and work out how we're at the forefront of it and making a difference ourselves. So I think it's realizing that if you're going to make a difference you're going to grow your brand you've got to be thinking about how your customer wants to interact with you and helping your teams understand that is probably the biggest part of that journey and lucy you've done a hell of a lot in the last year so it looks like nothing's stopping you actually but uh, you know do you want to do more are, are the bosses starting to 
to believe? I think we're um, we still still work very much as an entrepreneurial business. You know, we our brand board probably got about sixty years worth of Lazaguana's experience between them. You know, I'm eighteen and a half years in. Uh, most our MDs, I know, I don't look it. Uh, most of our MDs, fifteen years this month. Um, Asha, one of our regional uh, ops directors, is twenty years. So we, you know, we've got a lot of Lazaguana's experience there, but we tend to also get very bored very quickly so we always have a huge amount of stuff going on and I think we're we're used to kind of operating in that cottage industry way and just going for stuff um, and and not letting anything hold us back and then we'll launch the things that we think work there's probably another 10 things that we we bin or we we shelve for later along the way and I think um, particularly in the environments at the moment where you know it is tough trading out there for, for a lot of people it kind of breeds more innovation if you let it I think you have to think harder you have to think better um, you have to do things differently and I think that's what we concentrate on doing a lot of the time and Kate I was thinking about um, we've talked a lot about the marketing side which then has led to digital it's an obvious innovation what else are you looking at in terms of innovation? Is there is a product? You know, how wide does your kind of remit go in your world go? Yeah, I mean, we've we've just done, and dare I say, for the first time, I think we've just done a massive piece of um, customer research. So we've we've touched about three and a half thousand people in the process of doing that, and out of that has come this, you know, a really strong message about what how we need to how how we need to change and adapt going forward. Our target market is, you know, if we talk about ages, is eighteen to thirty year olds, and so it is constantly changing, constantly moving. And, you know, we've got some really interesting information, which is then forming the, the entire company strategy. So I don't even want to call this a brand strategy. This isn't a brand, brand strategy. This is absolutely a company strategy. And I think that, that to me feels, and, you know, it's not new. Lots of people have done this over many, many times. But for Revolution itself and Revolution to Cuba, it's a real opportunity for us to go, right, how are we fundamentally going to take this forward to make sure that the customer is absolutely at the center of everything that we do and all those decisions. So, so as opposed to it being... Being a, oh, this looks fun. Let's do it. It becomes a, is this really what our customers think is fun? Because um, you might not have noticed, but I'm not 18, so uh, we just need to make sure that we uh, keep them at the heart. And that, and that I think is driving driving some really interesting innovation. Yeah. Great. And then Leslie, yeah, what's stopping you doing more at, at Bills in terms of innovation and getting stuff out there? You're not long in there, so you're finding your way as well. So what's what's that holding you back doing more? Um, I think the only thing like holding us back at the moment is just time because there's so much to do and so much to focus on and there's the business objectives and then again we all work in hospitality it's very reactive if the weather's bad then we need to quickly turn on some magic marketing to drive people in and things like that make it difficult to focus on innovation but We've got a great senior team that really do empower the marketing team. So we have lots of opportunities. Um, like dinner's been a, a main focus for us at the at the moment, and we've been working with our um, our chef team to develop dinner specials. We've just launched a dinner set menu this week. Um, we've got DJs in our Soho restaurant, and we're looking at live music to like carry on that we've held a couple of supper clubs and we're seeing how that's going so we've got we have got the opportunity to be innovative but it's just balancing that with everything else that needs to be done because it sounds like quite a sound strategy because i guess people will know bills for breakfast lunch stuff like that so every, all eyes are on dinner right and it's a perception change using innovation so you know that's that's going to be really interesting if we do this next year see what's actually happened so yeah. that's great um, might be good maybe for some questions. We've got a few minutes left. I am Scott from Higher Hand, and we're a staffing agency. I heard yesterday from Mark that employees are the best brand ambassadors that anyone can have. So my question to you all is how do you engage your employees in a, in a proactive way as opposed to trying to keep the renegade Facebook pages from popping up in order to uh, get out your brand in an authentic way? We've done a lot of stuff around um, listening to the team members, and that's like crazy, isn't it? But still, doing things like um, we did um, we, before we launched our vegan menu a couple of years ago. We did a thing called Vegans Assemble, and we sent a message out to all of our team and said, "Right, who's vegan? Who's got a view? Come and speak to us." And we started cooking for them and said, "What do you like? What do you not like? How do you 
how would you think you should change this menu and keep it going? And that's the kind of thing that we do on a quite regular basis. And we've got a marketing version of that, and we've got other versions of it where we're listening to though to our team members directly and giving them the opportunity because there's tons of creative people in our teams. And I know everybody's probably got that same thing. And actually, how do you harness some of that and not leave that? Wasted, where they're just like serving food every day, they can do so much more. And so, trying to find a way to do that is is definitely what we've been thinking about more. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we really believe in that as well. I think John Timpson, who is the legend of all legends, doesn't even have a marketing team in his a thousand store company because he's all about customer service. Get the team make the decisions, let the team do it all for you. But yeah, I think letting the team be involved, like you know, we let them choose the playlists. We got all our head chefs together and did a competition to find you know, playlists. Our music people are at the back, startled, and they're rocking over there. They, yeah, their system allows our team to choose their own playlist. We got all our chefs together to choose their own pizzas for their stores. Just involving them as much as they can really is, is really important. Anyone else? I will move to the next question. Do you want, you want to go? Yeah, well, I was just going to say, I mean, we, um, we have our own motivation manager, a guy called Danny, who's completely bonkers and, and basically spends his time getting our guys engaged. Um, that's why we just made it onto the Times Top 100 Best Companies to Work For list. I'll get that little plug in there. Um, we send guys to Rio every year. We've got 14 people going out there in May. They have a week, all expenses paid, to go and really understand the brand. And then they bring, bring all of their knowledge back and they feed that through on our massive um, Facebook community page for everybody. And uh, we have, a bit like these guys, we have uh, 53 social media champions in all the sites who run all of our Instagram and Facebook for us so that feeds through down to everybody and it seems to work really well and everybody really lives the brand Yeah, I think it's a really good point, like if you can get all of your team to be internal influencers and amplifying, you know it's one of the best marketing tricks you can pull for sure uh, Next question My name is Jack Ewing. I'm one of the founders of the Duffy Share Rum, question for Lucy you said you launched the gin uh, a tropical gin, albeit. Uh, just wondering, so why that wasn't a rum or a cachaca or a tequila, and uh, how's it been uh, well, received by your customers? It's, it's not quite come out yet. It'll be out at the beginning of April. Uh, we already have our own cachaca, which we make with an amazing guy called Jai Luis in, uh, just outside Rio, which we've been doing for about, I think we've been working with him for about 10 or 12 years now. So we probably bring more cachaca into the UK, I think, than anybody else. Um, and sell it through the restaurants and also sell it online. Um, and it's an amazing award-winning cachaça, and we'll actually be expanding that range in April with the new menu and doing cachaça masterclasses, and obviously that for us is massively on brand. Um, in terms of rum, we've got a great relationship at the moment with Havana Club, and we've stocked some other rums as well, so that's ongoing. But yeah, we haven't, haven't looked at that yet, but you never know. Watch this space. Um, this question's mostly aimed at... It's Matt, by the way, from Half Man Off Burger. I'm really interested in Andre's Noodle Lab, and just really wanted to ask how you measure the success of an item before you roll it out nationally across a menu and maybe direct it more generally to everyone else, but in particular Andrew, Andre. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so we use the Yumpingo stuff to get genuine feedback on each dish. So the, the, the tablet, the Yumpingo tablet, if you're not familiar with another here, um, uh, allows you to give dish level feedback. So we take that, we read all those, all the comments, and look at the scores. And um, there's also, there's great to have the customer feedback but actually we speak to the teams as well and say to the team members but is this a pain in the ass to serve this is it work in the kitchen if you have too much of that going in that piece of cooking equipment does it ruin it for everything else so actually spending it and we do a review towards the end of each menu run which we do every couple of months which has a full team and customer and sales data review to make sure that we know is that got legs as a dish and can we do something more with it do we need to change it how do we learn from it Right, last one. Thanks, Tom. Hello. Um, so I work for a contract caterer, which is a, it started as a family-owned business and it's grown. So my question is, is we don't have a, a marketing team or a marketing department at the moment, and it's run by myself and other managers in the business in various different forms. What would you recommend us focusing on as the main thing to drive our business and our brand? Who's that? Is that to anyone? To everybody. I recommend calling Mark, and he'll help you out with everything. <laughs> Um, but if you're a small company social all the way I mean it just that's the quickest way to get to it if you're a big company you can afford bigger things you can put an advert on in the cinema or whatever you want to do but if you're a small company and you want to target specific people 100% go social targeted great creative and just turn all your energy and time there 
Um, I'd say like being really clear on your brand, um, your brand values and how you're going to communicate that with the customers is really important because if you've got that firmed down, then it will make it easier for you to focus on the right things rather than getting in different avenues that aren't going to work for you. So just knowing what you stand for in terms of how you're going to market, um, I think will really help. All right, that is all we've got time for now. And uh, yeah, just a huge round of applause for our amazing panel. Wow, so there we have it. Some of the industry greats on the panels that are hosted at both lunch and the casual dining show. And I really think that I got a lot from it. The audience got a lot from it. And I really hope that you did too. So a huge thanks to all of you for listening, writing in every week and your continued support. We really, really appreciate it. A huge thanks to BDO for all of their help since day one. It really wouldn't be possible without you to host this podcast every single week. Massive thanks to Gaz and Gabby as usual for putting together the podcast. A lot of hard work that you don't see goes into it, but I really, really appreciate all of their help. So this is me, Mark McSee, signing off. Bless you for listening. I really hope this was exciting and interesting for you and it gave you enough value to help your brand boom.